Hello, and welcome to the Fire Up Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Trapin. Today's show features another magnificent moxie chat. The mission of this series is to shine a light on the stories of divine, brilliant leaders who are taking risks, pushing through challenges, and living their best life out loud, on purpose, and on their own terms. If you are ready to learn and laugh together, you are in the right place at the right time. As an empowerment consultant myself, as well as an author and international speaker, my daily intention is to speak truth wrapped in grace with divine sides of sass, moxie, and fire. This show is a place for me to share encouraging, empowering stories to ignite your self-talk and sprinkle wisdom to help you define and refine your best self. Are you ready to lean in and learn from a courageous, gracious, tenacious, and absolutely vivacious lioness? Grab your favorite beverage and let's do this. Hello and welcome to the Fire Up Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Trapin. This is part two of my Moxie Chat with Valerie Alexander. If you didn't catch our first conversation, be sure to hop on over there, hear her full bio, and our feisty chat. In a nutshell, Valerie is a tech CEO, author, publisher, screenwriter, wife, German shepherd mama, and the role we're going to focus on today, a speaker. Her fierce, fiery, soul-tank-filling wisdom flows on in this continuation. During our chat, we dig into what it's like being a female on the male-dominated speaking circuit, how to pick topics, where to find business, and she slays the rapid-fire questions at the end. Without further ado, here's part two of my Moxie Chat with Valerie Alexander. Enjoy, my friends. All right. So we are going to have a fun, quick chat here about being a woman on the speaking circuit. We have all heard that there aren't enough women on stage. We have all seen the posts in our social stream saying, look, it's all men. They're all men on stage. (laughs) And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I am tired of that conversation. So tired and exhausted by it. And so as you know, I am all about solutions and highlighting others who are solution-minded. And so Valerie is joining us for a chat about what it's like to be a woman on the speaker circuit and her journey along the way. So welcome, Valerie. Thank you, Deborah. Okay, so I've got some questions for you. Um, Feel free to, um, you know, add in whatever you need to along the way to make sure that we get this right for the women and for the men who are listening who maybe have women in their lives who they know should be speaking. Because this conversation is really to get people unstuck from stepping out and stepping in and speaking out and being bold and getting their tushies on the stage to speak. So let me start by asking you, when you, when did you know you wanted to be a speaker? So I was asked to give a talk at the LA Film School on how women can succeed in Hollywood. Ironically, it was at a time when I was actually not succeeding in Hollywood. (laughs) But I did not let that stop me. 
the interesting thing is right then I had really started getting into the brain science research. I was very interested in the development of our brains. And that's when I began discovering, oh, there are differences between male brains and female brains. So I went back to LA film school and I said, I would like to give a talk on how women can succeed in Hollywood despite having female brains. And they embraced that. So I gave that talk. It was fun. It went over really well. I was you know, I, I think I look back now at the slides I was using and that I was reading off notes and, oh, what a disaster. I wouldn't do any of that right now. <laughs> but that talk was really well received. And so I was asked to do it in other places. So I started doing it in other places. In the meantime, I had written a book about happiness called Happiness as a Second Language. And a woman in Pennsylvania read the book and reached out to me and sent me an email that just said, I really loved this book. I run an organization. What do you charge to speak? Mm -hmm. And I went, what do I charge? Because mm -hmm. up to that point, I had been speaking for free everywhere that anybody asked me to. Mm. And so then I really had to think about it. Long story short, uh, for that talk, that very first paid for talk, which was in Pennsylvania, they covered my travel. I think I got paid $500 and I sold $700 worth of books, which was oh, huge. It was yes. huge. <laughs> so then I started just doing it for book sales. Then I realized the greatest phrase in the speaker arsenal, and I will share this with everybody. When somebody calls you and says, oh, would you speak at our organization? The answer is, well, let me see if that date is available in my schedule. And if it is, you say, okay, that's a day I'm available. What's your budget for speakers? Yeah. And as soon as you say, what is your budget for speakers? That's signaling, I'm a professional speaker. Right. This is a part of what holds women back from stepping into becoming professional speakers is, is the money. Yeah. Right. It's the money conversation. And I think, you know, I use that as well. What's your budget for speakers? And it's really interesting to me sometimes the response I get. They're like, oh, well, budget. Uh. Yeah. Oh, normally people, I love my favorite is, um, well, you know, we have a really solid community that it's really effective for you to get in front of. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, that's like, well, you, you, what you'll get is exposure. Like, you know what? People die of exposure. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. People die of exposure. That's hilarious. Cause I, I do, I do hear that a lot as well. And a, a, a lot of us do. And I, and I'm always curious and maybe I just need to go ask. I'm always curious. Do men hear that? Do men hear, Oh, you, you get a lot of exposure when you, because okay. that is an interesting I get what they're saying. They're saying, you know, we've got a very vibrant community. They're going to love you. Oh, great. However, mama needs to pay the rent. <laughs> I, I will share. I just have finally decided I have, I have a, a fee. I have a, a corporate, it's a corporate or conference fee. I have a nonprofit fee. Mm -hmm. And then I have a bare minimum that I won't go below. That got trained into me. Because I had an organization that reached out to me and they wanted to book me to do, they were launching a women's initiative. And this was a heavy manufacturing industry. And they were launching their women's initiative at this conference and they wanted me to be the speaker. Oh, but they didn't have that big a budget. So 
they could only pay me $2,500 plus travel. And I went along with that because I really wanted to help them. I really wanted to help launch their women's initiative. Mm -hmm. It was the worst I have ever been treated as a speaker. Mm -hmm. They didn't follow any of the instruction in my contract. They were difficult to deal with. And then the craziest thing happened. My contract is that they pay half when they book so that I will secure the date. And then they pay half before I walk on the stage, the other half, because I cannot speak and then have to go chase invoices. It's just, it's too time consuming, especially when you're speaking as much as I am now, like to have to figure out who paid me and who didn't. So I'm there. They completely didn't have the second check. So I'd stayed another that night because it was a late evening thing. So the next morning I saw the woman who had coordinated with me and I just walked over to her and said, um, I want to talk to you about my invoice. And she turned around and went off on me. And she goes, you're getting paid. I don't know what this is all about. You're getting paid. She goes, I have a $70,000 speaker budget. Do you think anyone here is not getting paid? Oh. Which was out of the blue. It was this crazy attack. But then in hindsight, I was like, you have a $70,000 speaker budget. And I went through the program and I figured out who all the other paid speakers were. And I figured out that I was getting less than all of them. Mm-hmm. And some of them were not very good. Some of them were not very experienced. And even more importantly, that means that they chose to launch their industry's women's initiative by paying the woman less than everybody else who was being paid to be on stage. Yeah. And I'm super grateful for that moment because that's the moment I said, never again. Yeah. I have a minimum and I don't go below that minimum. Yep. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, when you start out speaking, the advice is, you know, yeah, get some experience in your belt, do that oh, speaking yes. for free. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Then you write your book and you do it, you do sp- free speaking for the ability to sell your book. That is amazing like that that gets you the even more experience so you get to the point where you've had the a couple of years of great experience you've honed your message you've honed your skill and then I love the idea of saying you know here's my this is as low as I go mm-hmm. um, I, I've I have also found that having a nonprofit price really does help as well yes. Uh, and you know, we have the ability as authors to say, you know, I've got digital copies of my book. I've got physical copies of my book. Like let's be creative and, and do some, some fun things around that. So I think being creative with how you're paid, especially for the nonprofits is great, but you're absolutely right. Corporations don't host events for their employees with zero budget. Right. And I mean, it's, it's BS. And, and those, again, I do, I am very, very curious about the experience of, of male speakers versus female speakers. And I just wrote myself a note, like you, I'm, I need to ask those questions because I wouldn't know. Cause I'm a female. I wouldn't know the experience right. they're having, but the, you know, I remember just hosting events myself in corporate America, you know, the, the budget for coffee was anywhere between five thousand and seventy five hundred dollars you know what I mean so so really a speaker is is more important than coffee so (laughs) like like come on now I will share something else and this is really important when somebody is calling you to ask you to, to speak or ask you know inquire about your availability don't write their script for them 
I have a speaking gig coming up and I don't want to give too many details because I don't want the person who booked me to know that this is what happened on my end of it. <laughs> it is at a very exciting place for me to go visit. It is at a very exciting place. I, and when this person inquired, first off, the first thing I thought is, oh, does this person just wants a free speaker for their event to promote their venue, which is a place I want to go to. Right. And I thought, and this is a place I want to go to. So you know what? I'll get a free trip out of it. And I literally wrote that email saying, I understand you must be on a limited budget. I will, you know, speak in exchange for my airfare and my, you know, room and board for the week I'm there. And then I stopped and looked at that and I thought, I don't know this person. Yeah. I don't know why they asked me that. Right. And I just changed it back to my standard I'm a $10,000 keynote. Here's how things have to break down, blah, 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 blah. Right. And the person wrote back, oh, we're so sorry. We can't afford $10,000. We can cover $7,500 plus your travel. Yeah. So you would have $7,500 on the table. Isn't that insane? Yes. 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 And because I assumed, oh, they're small, they're just getting off the ground, and I want to be there anyway. Yes. And so now I'm getting my travel and $7,500. And the other thing is, I have to be careful how much I discount that too, even with that. So that was a no brainer. That was, yep. <laughs> Thank you. We'll do it. Yeah. But I used to have in my initial response email, when somebody inquired, I would have in my initial response email. And I, you know what? I have this on my computer. I, you should, if you're going to be a professional speaker, you need to have all of your everything. Um, I have all my contracts right away. I had an organization call me about speaking on a short notice thing. And they said, can you get us a contract? And I said, yes. And within an hour, I sent them a contract. Yep. It says, Please don't let budget restrictions be the reason the conversation ends. I have gotten to more and more just deleting that paragraph yeah. from that email. Well, that, because you're, you've earned to not have to say that. That's but right. I do think that when you first start charging, you know, I went through the, the zero to the 2,500 to the 5,000. And about 18 months ago, I stepped into the five figures, right? So I don't speak for less than 10. Most of them are 13, five plus travel, right? And I got to tell you, it was mind blowing to me how much easier it was to nail once I stepped into the five figure rate with my experience. Now I'm not saying that to, again, to the brand new speaker, that's probably not where you want to start sister. However, once I realized this is what my time is worth and this is what the experience of all of these years of writing and blogging and podcasting and traveling and speaking have, I've earned this fee that I was getting more yeses almost immediately. Right. Like I felt like when I was sending the 5,000, they were like, oh, well, they wanted to like dicker. Yeah. But once you step into that next space, that the, the 10,000 and up, they don't dicker the same. It's really fascinating. There's probably psychology around it, I'm sure. Like, ooh, she's, she must be amazing because she's $10,000, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I because I, I feel that way, right, when I see those things. And so I think it's when you know you're ready or when your coach tells you you're ready, just do it. 
because it works when you believe in yourself and you believe in all of your experience, because there's so many speakers who think, wow, $10,000, you're only, you're only speaking for an hour. Um, yeah, but I'm also away from home usually for 48 to, you know, to 96 hours, depending on oh, what it is with my travel. Yes. And I'm speaking based on the 20 years of experience I have to be the authority on this topic. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's so part good. of it. The yeah. other part is something else people need to remember. Look, there's a big difference between trainers and speakers. Mm. And when you're a keynote, you are not training from the stage. You're entertaining from the stage. Yes. You are an entertainer and you better be riveting. You better have that audience excited and alive and alert. And so the way I calculate it isn't, oh, I'm getting, you know, whatever 10000 or $12,000 breaks down into 60 minutes. You know, I'm getting $500 a minute. I, that is ridiculous. That yes. is not in any way what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but I look at, if I'm in front of a room of 200 people and I'm providing, let's say, the happiness for leadership talk and each one of them goes back to their company and makes a slight change that saves their company a thousand dollars. That talk was worth $200,000. Right. Yeah. Completely. This is so, like, listen up ladies, like hear, hear these words. Your, your speaker fee is not for the time you are on stage. It is compensating you for the years of experience for all of the time that you took to read the books, to take the classes, to write the the conversations, to write the books. And then it doesn't stop there. There is the, the after effect, the ripple effect of the talk. And, you know, it's so interesting because as you know, probably about 50% of my business is in the real estate space. And I often, especially when I was at the $5,000 fee, I would have conversations and they'd be like, gosh, you know, we just don't have that in our budget. And I'm like, you mean, if you don't feel like my talk is going to inspire two deals in that room, I'm pretty sure that I'm not the speaker for you. Cause right. that's, that's less than two commissions. So <laughs> like, you know, if, 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 when you break it down like that, they're like, Oh, it, because they're, they are thinking it is for that moment or the minutes or the hours that you're in front of their people. And it's so much more than that. I love that you share that apps. I mean, it's just, that's so beautiful. Um, I'm curious where you find most of your business. So like, where does most of your business come from now? Interestingly enough, most of my business comes just when the phone rings. Now, part of that is because as you know, Deborah, and I don't know if the audience knows this, I have three other things I invest my time in. I am the CEO of a tech company. Yes. I am a screenwriter. Yes. I still write movies for the Hallmark Channel. Yes. And and a a whole lot of women just went, (laughs) woohoo! I wrote Memories of Christmas last year. Yes. So good. And I also publish the As a Second Language book series, which is I wrote Happiness as a Second Language and Success as a Second Language, but then I published Parenting as a Second Language, Creativity as a Second Language, and most recently Grief as a Second Language. And I now have an author under contract doing Mindfulness as a Second Language, and I'll probably pretty soon get Marriage as a Second Language. That author is coming into the family. So 
with all of that together, I actually haven't been promoting myself as a speaker or doing, and so I am not a good advisor in this. I will share with you, I get speaking gigs when the phone rings. Mm -hmm. Um, That is not the best method. I really would love to be going out and doing the promoting and the marketing, but Oh, it sounds so bad when I say this, especially as a woman, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Speaking gigs by being freaking awesome on stage. After Woman Up, I have gotten five fully paid gigs from people who were in that audience. Yeah. And so if you're thinking about having a career as a speaker, number one, be awesome. Yeah. Be undeniable. Be the person that other people will say, did you see her talk? Yep. And then those people call you. But by the way, there were four others, inquiries I got since Woman Up, that they got back the, um, here is my rate, blah, blah, blah. That date is available. This is my rate for speaking. And two of those I literally never even heard from after that. And two of them came back and said, oh, wow, that's outside our budget. Yeah. Well, and I think let's back up just qu- quickly here because I don't want to miss this. The being undeniable, the being awesome, you know, you, you have a background in screenwriting, right? So you've been around that space. Um, did, did you ever take acting classes? Like how did you hone the edutainment, right? Mm-hmm. They, that they loved it, you know, the, the marriaging of words, but, but really how did you learn to entertain people with neuroscience, <laughs> right? What, what did you, what did you do? Is it just natural? Did you take a class? I hate to say it. I think a lot of it was just natural. It was a lot about honing the talk. It was a lot about figuring out where to have something funny and what works for the audience and what, you know, I also, the how women can succeed talk If I did that start to finish straight through with all of the content I have, it would be about two and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. That talk is in modules that I know really, really well. Oh, that is the other thing I cannot emphasize enough. You better know your talk frontwards and backwards. Yes. Right now when I book a How Women Can Succeed talk, I only have to practice it for about half a day and I'm ready for that. And like I do there's one section I customize for the group. I get a specific story from them. I customize it into the talk. So I have to practice that a couple of times, but I could be dropped into a corporation tomorrow and would be able to give that talk without looking at it off the top of my head. Yeah. So that talk, there's, there's an entire section about Darwin and Topinard and, uh, Gustav Le Bon and the other evolutionary biologists and how they got disrupted by Adrian Zillman at Berkeley That's a really key, interesting, fun section that I don't do in a room of real estate professionals. Right. They don't care about that. You only have an hour on that stage. Right. There is nothing more precious than that time. And when you have an hour on that stage, you better be delivering the hour that audience needs and wants. So if I'm in front of scientists, it's mostly about the neurobiology and the evolutionary biology, and it's not so many stories about the way my secretary treated me when I was a lawyer. Right, right, right. Um, you lose them at that point. Yeah, You lose them at that point. There's a line I have when my assistant treated me as a lawyer, when my assistant came into my office when I was practicing law and asked me if I wanted to learn how to 
enter my own timesheets into the billing system. Yeah. So this is part of the whole story about how women get treated by our subordinates and how we have to own our place in the hierarchy. And it works really well. Depending on the audience, sometimes my, when telling the story, my response is, and so that's when I politely declined her kind offer. Yes. Or sometimes my response is, and that's when I looked at her and said, I'm pretty sure our clients don't pay $325 an hour for me to enter timesheets in the billing system. Right, right. Those responses are for two different audiences because yes. there's an audience that when I say I got 300 and by the way, I never got paid $325 an hour, but that was my billing rate. Sure, sure. That's like real estate agents don't get paid, you know, six or 5% exactly. of a sale. Like, uh, come on, people. <laughs> but, but so that response is sometimes considered really snobby and really nasty. So I have to be very careful which audience I do that in front of. Mm-hmm. There's another line where I talk about women take on work that is not our job because we just want to get the job done or because we can, or because it's not that hard. And sometimes I say that, and I say, you know what? Washing my car is not that hard. I don't do it. Right. But sometimes I say, cleaning my house is not that hard. I don't do it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. And I think that that's why it's even wise to make sure that what you're saying yes to, even in your free phase, ultimately matches where you want to be. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of the work back, right? Like where, you know, what is your, and I'm going to ask you this next, so just get ready. Like what's your dream stage? Where do you really want to go? Like what is that topic you want to talk about on that dream stage? And then where do you need to be between now and then? What, what, who is that target audience? You know, it doesn't have to be the only audience that you ever speak to, but who's the target that's going to help you hone that message? That's going to help you understand, okay, that module goes in here and that one goes in there. You know, the, the fire up your moxie keynote is the same way. It's, eight layers, eight luscious layers of firing up your moxie. And some of them, not every talk has all eight. You know, sometimes talking about self-talk in a group, they're just like, uh-uh, I don't, that, that's too vulnerable. We're not going there. We don't want to talk about that. But they might want to talk about defining success and what that really looks like and what that means and how they put that into their goals. And so you have to be ready to pull and move things around in that puzzle. And I think that I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't know my talk front to back, if I didn't understand who the audience was. And so these bits of advice that, you know, helping the listeners understand that there, it isn't just a, here's how you do it. It's here are all the ways you can do it. And so figure that out. I think that's so, that's such incredible advice. The, The modules is huge. The words we use are so important. Have, <laughs> so out of curiosity, how did you realize that maybe the, like, I don't get paid this 300 plus hour, you know, 300 bucks an hour. Like, did you get feedback in post? Like, wow, that you, she was really cocky or, or did you just feel the energy? <laughs> it's, the interesting thing about that, I did that at a event for low income youth. And I used the, our clients don't pay $325 an hour for me to do this. And there was a man in the room who was so happy. He came up to me. He's like, I am so happy you said that. That is what they needed to hear. Right. And that was great. Right. I had that as part of a TED talk that I gave. And my TED coaches said, 
your audience is going to hate that. So interestingly enough, what I have looked at is what is the audience's objective? In TED, they just want to like you. And also their TED viewers are basically very liberal. They're very forward thinking. So ideas like hierarchy and, you know, cost of time, et cetera, is not going to sit well with them. Right, um, right, right, right. It's more like social justice issues or, exactly, or like finding exactly. oneself, like these aha moments. Uh, totally true. I love I, I do. I do a lot of law firms. And at law firms, I always use the $325 an hour line. Well, I bet. Um, <laughs> and now you go, yeah, yeah, I know that was 1990s pricing. You're probably I, like 800 I, now. You're thinking, gosh, how cheap. The, the yeah. paralegal is 395 an hour now. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, but, and you also said something that's important that I want to, to celebrate, and that is you had a coach. So, so well, you yes. did, now, I mean, I know Ted... TED Talks require you to talk yes. to someone, but, but just because they require you to use someone doesn't mean you listen and implement. Oh, I am, I am a feedback sponge. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the TED coaches were really helpful to me for that, especially for that particular TED Talk. I got very lucky before my TED Talk in two big ways. I have a game night. I have a regular monthly game night because uh, I'm from Indiana, so we have game nights. and. You mean like board games? Well, it's like Pictionary. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, my friend Lisa runs a regular game night. I go every month. It's so super fun. Yes. Um, I love it. About half the people in that group are improv actors. And so in the weeks leading up to my TED Talk, I said to them, would you guys mind if I do this? And I did it for them and they loved it. And they gave me some really good feedback on like there was an area I do a visualization at the start and they're like, you're going too fast. I'm not having time to visualize. Ah. And then the second awesome thing, I'm a screenwriter and I'm part of a writing group that meets every week. And my writer's group is the screenwriters come in, we bring in our work and actors who are also part of the group come in and they act it out. Um, and it's not a table. It's not sitting at a booth. They're staged reading. They're blocked yes. acting out your work. It's yes. fantastic. It's so helpful. And so I, one week, the week before, like literally the TED was that Saturday. And on the Tuesday before I, I sent out a note to the writer's group and I said, would anybody mind if at the end of our regular session, if anyone wants to stay, I'd like to do my TED talk. And I did it. And the funny thing is most of the writers left, but almost all of the actors stayed. Mm. And I was so grateful. This man, Jay, an older actor, just a fan. He owns the stage when he's on it. He just got in my face and he's like, when you walk out on that stage, you plant your right foot and you plant your left foot and you reach the back right corner and you reach the back left corner. And he just so far up to own the stage, yeah. which is something I wasn't doing, which interesting enough, because I've been a keynote speaker for five years at that point. Yeah. But yeah. The concept of owning that stage, that came from that coaching. And then there is a woman named Patricia Fripp. Patricia Fripp runs a company called Fripp VT. And she coaches speakers and she has events that coach speakers. Now, I've, I've not been to her, like she has a weekend in Vegas. I have not been to that. She and my dad were really close friends for a long time. <laughs> And my dad said to me at some point, you probably should have a coach call Patricia. 
So she gave me a half hour on the phone. She gave me great business advice. But then she was speaking at the National Speaker Association meeting in LA. And so I went, I went to that meeting. And she talked about opening your talk in a way that grabs the audience. Yeah. And I didn't have, I had an opening that was good. It was interesting, but you've seen the new opening since then. The new opening is here's what happened when my client told me they didn't like me Mm -hmm. and they didn't like me because I was a woman. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the story in about 30 minutes, but first we're going to talk about history and biology. As soon as I start with that, and it's a longer thing than what I just did, but as soon as I start with that story, everybody is in. And then when I say, and I'm going to tell you the full story in 30 minutes, I literally have them for the next 30 minutes. Right. Guaranteed. Yeah. Um, And then I get to the story and it's even better. And so I have done that with all of my talks now. All of my talks have been readjusted to open with something that makes everybody lean in and say, what is she about to tell me? And then right when I get to the point where I'm going to tell them, I say, so I'll get to that in about 30 minutes. Right. That's so good. So effective. And I never would have come up with that on my own without having a little bit of a coach. So yeah, look at anything you've ever succeeded at in life. If you did not either go to school for it or train for it or have a coach who showed you how to do it or had a parent who raised you to do it. Right. You're not good at it. Right. And so give yourself that freedom. And yeah. by the way, there's tons of online coaching resources that are also worth it. You don't have to pay enormous amounts of money for a speaker coach. Correct. I'm not discounting that, but go get everything you can for free first. Right. Well, and you know, some of us have natural acting ability, right? Some people just naturally have that. They can own the stage. However, that still needs honing. That still needs wrangling. You know, one of the best bits of advice I ever got is why I started, especially with the lioness talk or anything that's around that is the roar at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. When I did that at Woman Up, I mean, I still have women who send me pictures of lions and who send me roars because they all stopped and they were like, is there like, what is happening in this room? Like there, there is a lion roaring right now. Right. So you have to wake them up. And what's, what's really interesting and uh, is that there are different ways to do what we're talking about. Your way is here's something that's really personal and going to be really interesting for you. I'm going to tell you that later. I'm going to start with this. Uh, the other is, you know, doing something, uh, you know, um, with their audio, like, like I'd use with the lioness. And then there's this other really interesting trend inside the speaker space where people are swearing left and right to like wake people up, to shock them. I'm not a fan of that people. Everybody's heard me talk about it on the podcast before. I am not a fan of that to each his own. But I get that. I get the two each his own. I'm going to share with everybody listening. If you swear from the stage, that is what they will remember about you. Yeah, I agree with that because yes. it is what I remember. And, Absolutely. and, um, you know, I, have you watched the good place? Oh yeah. Oh my totally. God. I, freak, <laughs> I mean, anything that Kristen Bell is in, I love because right. I just love her. Her energy is just fun and quirky and just real. And I tell you, I, 
a couple of episodes ago, I w- we were talking and one of the, one of my guests was like, you know, she said like, what the flip? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's like, what the fork? And right. because that's her big thing, like she's not allowed to swear there. And so she uses fork. And now honestly, every time I see a fork, I start cracking up because <laughs> I think like, this is this crazy alternative. But honestly saying what the fork is so funny it, 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 it gets everybody thinking, yeah, you know, oh my gosh, I totally get it. But you don't have to say the words. And, yeah. and even, even better is not making people even think the word, right? <laughs> I, I say sugar instead of mm-hmm. the other word that starts with SH. Yes. All the time. I'm yeah. like, oh, sure. Like, yeah. just naturally now. Yeah. It's so, it's funny, it's strange. But I think I shared with you on the, there was a thread conversation about this. Do you swear from the stage? Oh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, uh, Valerie Garcia started a thread asking, do you swear from the stage? Yeah. And I pointed out, I don't. But one time I was at this conference and my, my mom was in the, I invited her to come. It was local for her. So she came and I was asked a question afterwards. So there's no swearing in my actual talk. But afterwards I, asked, I was asked a question and I said, well, my mom is here. And we're talking about, you know, different treatment of women. I said, and you wouldn't believe the sugar, but I said the actual word, that she had to put up with when she was starting in her career. And then we broke for lunch. And then we came back from lunch and there was a panel. And there was a woman that I loved. I mean, she was a doll. She was a hoot. She was so much fun on the panel. And someone asked her a question about like what frightens her the most or whatever. And she said, well, to be honest, the thing I was most afraid of was getting up on this stage and saying some since saying some swear word that I shouldn't do. Then I heard Valerie say the F word and I figured it was okay. And I never used that word. I never said that. But because I had said sugar, yes. She somehow heard that. She thought that and I can guarantee you if you asked the people in that room what I said, 90% of them would have said I said the F word. Oh my god. See, that's, that is such a slippery slope. Oh my gosh. And and I can just imagine you going, wait a minute, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I was sitting in the room just like, wait. And that was the most important lesson I've ever learned about it. It's like, all right, if you use foul language, it is the only thing they're going to remember about you. And they might not even remember it correctly. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that is huge. I mean, I, I swear. I swear yeah. in real life. I don't, I don't swear in record. I, I've said that many times. Uh, it just, for my, for the people that I serve, the humans that I serve, most of my humans have little humans in the back seat or right. sitting at the bar in the kitchen doing their homework while, you know, mom and or dad is listening to the podcast or whatever. So for those of you who are wondering what the bleeps oh. were, you know what the bleeps were. Poor <laughs> 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 sugar, sugar. Um, because it's, it, it's, I want to honor that. And, yeah. and I think that and that works for me. And it, look, but there are some people who it's really, it is part of their, their shtick. Right. And, you know, speakers like Gary Vee have made it very normal. Although I was more of a fan of him in the wine library. Like I don't listen to him anymore. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, it's so much. It's too much for me. Gary Vee is speaking to an entirely different audience. Exactly. Gary B has cultivated an audience. When, when I am brought in to speak at a women's conference or at a corporation or at a real estate event or at a law firm, they might be 
quote unquote, okay with it if I do that, but they don't want that. And if there is even one person in that room who didn't want to hear those words, then I've lost. I've lost an opportunity. You're listening to the Fire Up Podcast. We'll be right back to the Moxie Chat after this quick break. If you're enjoying the truth being sprinkled on today's episode, let's go deeper together. Check out my Fire Up book and programs, wrangle together a book club with your business besties, sign up to have Moxie delivered to your inbox each week, and so much more over on my website, debertrapin.com. Now, let's get back to our Moxielicious conversation. I think that's really powerful. You know, something that just popped into my head that isn't the same, but it's kind of similar to the situation with a gal who was on stage kind of repeating what you, uh, what you didn't say. Right. <laughs> I was actually in Canada not too long ago and um, Canadians, are, they automatically come up and say, I'm so sorry about your president. And, and I, I usually don't, I, I usually say, Oh, thank you. You know, I, you've, you've got, you know, your Disney prince, you know, that, you know, just try to like change the conversation because I don't want to get into politics when, especially with people I don't know. And so I'm always like, thank you. You know, I, I appreciate your thoughts. Um, Your thoughts and prayers are welcome. And I was speaking from stage in Canada and there was kind of not a heckler, but he was kind of a heckler. And he said something and I didn't repeat what he said. So my my answer sounded almost un-American, like um, because of how I was responding to how he was talking to me about the president. Uh And, and I, I, I had this gal come up to me afterwards and she was like, you know what, you said something and it really, and I didn't even think about my response because my response was trying to shut him down. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, not all Americans love or hate what you're talking about, basically, right. is what the, what the statement was. But she, all she heard was the response. And so as speakers, it's really important if you are going to talk to somebody in the audience who's talking to you, repeat what they have said right. <laughs> so, that you're, so that that soundbite of your response isn't the only thing they hear. And I had, in you know, 15 years of speaking, had never had that happen to me before, but it was like eye-opening. I thought, I wonder how many times I have done that, that somebody didn't come up to me and didn't say, and they walked out of this room thinking, wow, like she isn't who I thought she was, or, you know, I can't believe she said that when it was really, you know, dealing with a tyrant in the first row. <laughs> so that's, it's re- that's huge, you know? Yeah. But the bottom line in all of this is that your audience is your customer. Mm-hmm. Your audience is the reason you're there. And you have to know who they are. You have to know what they expect of you. I had an incredibly interesting opportunity. An organization brought me in to do the unconscious bias talk. It's how to outsmart unconscious bias in your company and yourself. Yes, yes. And the organization is headquartered in New York and L.A., and their leadership is very liberal. The membership is primarily all over the Midwest and the South and the Southeast and Southwest. And so they're very conservative. And the leadership asked me when giving the unconscious bias talk, they said, we need you to explain to these people what privilege is and make them understand it. Right. 
That was one of the biggest challenges I ever had as a speaker. But I looked at who was going to be in that audience and I thought, how can I convey this to them in a way that isn't going to shut them down, that isn't going to turn them off? And I figured it out and I solved that problem and it was an extremely successful talk that amazingly enough, I gave a talk on unconscious bias that made the liberals and the conservatives equally happy. It's possible. Yes. <laughs> was it recorded? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, no. Um, although that, that section of it is now part of that talk. Well, and I think that's what you're saying. Again, I feel like there's so many beautiful nuggets in here. It's like, it doesn't matter how long you've been on stage. There's always work to be done. There's always things to be learned because it's not only about your message. It's also about understanding your audience Uh and, you know, who I spoke to at the beginning of my speaking, my professional speaking career, not, uh, not before that, but my is very different than who I speak to now because I've really honed what I truly believe is my message and my flow and my purpose for when I'm on stage, how I'm to impact. And I know who that is now Mm -hmm. and that it's okay that it pivots and that it shifts and that it changes. And, and hopefully it does change. Hopefully you do have growth and hopefully your, your message does become clearer. You know, one of the things I always tell people is the, the reason I wrote the fire up book was to help people understand who I was and what my message was because I was basically trying to um, change my personal brand in the industry. You know, I was known for social media and being so great at Facebook and Twitter and like that was a skill set I had. I'm really good at building relationships online, but I didn't want to teach that. Right. And because I was really good at it, people wanted me to teach them how I do it. And so I had to get them to the point where they realized, no, I'm actually what comes before that. I'm helping you understand who you are and helping you with very simple snackable steps, figure out who that best version is, not giving you the, Hey, you should do this, but showing you how. And, and then you can go to other colleagues like the Katie Lances out there who really know how to use social media and who want to be learning and teaching and growing in that. But it took me a while to get to that point, right? I couldn't just start out there. I had to start where I was known and slowly move my message, write the book, bam. And now my keynotes are on point. They Mm -hmm. are, they are the message. And so it it doesn't have to be perfect. The first time you talk, your topic doesn't have to be perfect. Your audience doesn't need to be perfect, but you need to listen and you need to shift and grow and add and subtract. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best pieces of coaching advice I got early on also is you don't have to change your talk, change your audience. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Which is The How Women Can Succeed talk, it has honed and grown, and it's, like I said, it's now about two and a half hours worth of content that gets picked off in modules to make a one-hour keynote, but I've been doing that talk since 2011, and it sounds brand new every time I give it. That's a big trick. You have to be as energized about your talk as if you give it five times in the same month, yeah, it has to sound as exciting and energized that fifth time. Um, well, I, th- I think once you know your topic, 
that that it it does flow like that. I think that once you are in in that zone and you know that the message you're giving is a message you're meant to be to be sharing, I definitely feel that way because I could talk I could do a moxie talk every day. Right. And and just really get the audience fired up because I believe in the message. I believe in the content. I I believe in all of those things. However, I think that it's um, it's okay to uh, it's okay to have the same message. Like you, you're saying, you've been doing the same keynote since 2011. Now it's not the exact same words, but you've been teaching on this topic and talking on this topic since 2011. I find far too often that speakers, especially new speakers, are always every time they speak, they want it to be a new topic. Want to be a new topic, new topic, new topic. Gotta have something new. And I, I'm always like, put on the brakes, sister. Right. Like what you? It's okay. There are billions of people on this planet who haven't heard your message <laughs> haven't heard you yet like just those first 50 people heard your message yeah. like there are many many more who need to hear it and and there's i think there's a, a release of stress around that that you you do really embrace as you learn that you don't need to give a different talk every time you hit the stage no have a little have a variety so that the organization that booked you once can book you twice. Yes. So that's why for me, it's how women can succeed. It's leading for happiness and it's eliminating your unconscious bias. But those three are pretty much it. There's also happiness for agents, entrepreneurs, and self-starters. That's the one I did at Inman Luxury, which is sort of for individual happiness work. Yes. That I really love that talk. Um, yes. And that's that one I've been doing for many years. But really, if you have three or four good talks, that means the same organization can book you three different times. And by the way, they're not going to book you more than three different times because yeah. at that point now their audience is saying, okay, we got it. That per you know, and don't yeah. expect to be booked by the same people more than once every two years. Right. And that's, that's great advice. And I think, you know, inside the real estate space, there are some trainers some big, and they're, they're all male. So yes, ladies, grown a little bit, far ahead, yeah. um, that are constantly on the stage, constantly on the stage, but, but they're, but they're in affiliate programs with these brokerages, right? You know, and part of their contract is to be on stage and to be there and to sell things. And, and so stop comparing yourself to those people. Like stop right. their schedule and go, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. I, it's so you know, funny. I know another speaker and she posted something about being on the road 180 days that, in that year. And I was so heartbroken. I thought, gosh, that's a lot of gigs. She must be making a crazy amount of money. And then I found out the majority of it was for a single company that was bringing her in as a trainer. Yeah. And I don't know the economics of it, but I know the economics of training are significantly different from speaking. And so I kind of had a little bit of a relax and I was like, okay. That's well, and remember, you know, one of the things that I teach the, most of the people who are, who I coach that are speakers are also authors or podcasters. They're, they're, they're messengers, right? So they have a message that they have for the planet. And the, the number one thing I always say is what does success mean to you? Like what does, does success look like you traveling 50% of the time? Is that what you want? Do you want, no, you're shaking your head. No. 
And I don't want that either. You know, and I think that, again, we see people's highlight, highlight reels flowing yes. through our, you know, and, and these big, huge statements. Some people do want to be on the road 50% of the time. I personally, I love my house. I love my husband. I, I love, love my, my house. Husband. I love my oh life. My <laughs> like, I love being with him. I love being in our bed. I love walking our dogs. So my ideal life and my version of success does not include traveling 50% of the time for business. It does include more travel for personal, which is right. a goal is to say, yeah, um, I'm speaking in Spain later this year. And so we're doing personal, a personal trip That's around the business side of things. That to me, success. Well, that's the, the gig I was talking about earlier that I said I was going to do for free. And then I went ahead and just quoted them my regular rate and they're paying me. My husband's coming with me. Yes. We had it three days before it and three days after it. It is going to be a spectacular trip. I am so excited, but yes, yes. absolutely. That's and that, you know, that's, we're both beaming for those of you who can't see the, the, the radio waves. <laughs> We're beaming because we're talking about something that makes us feel good, something that is success to us. And I think that that's what's important for every single person listening is to say, how will you feel successful? You will feel right. successful when and fill in the blank there. Is oh, it that you want to speak once a month? Is it that you want to speak twice a month? Is it that you want to speak four times a year? Right. Like whatever you want to do is successful because there's always going to be somebody who's speaking less than you and speaking more than you in your stream. It is inevitable. So yes. you comparing yourself to them makes no sense. And, and there's always somebody whose speaking rate is higher and there's somebody whose speaking rate is lower. Yes. But I will also say, because this is an important, important point that I would be remiss if I did not make, if you are struggling to define success for your own self, there is a book called Success as a Second Language <laughs> that you can find on Amazon that I highly recommend you buy because it is extremely effective at learning how to define success for yourself and progress towards it. That was a well-placed plug, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone who listens to the show knows that I am all about that. So let me ask you a couple more quick questions. Do you have a dream stage? I do have a dream stage and it's not going to be what you expect. I would even do this stage for free. I would like to be on the National Conference of the American Association of Meeting Planners. <laughs> because let me tell you, when you kick ass on that stage, you are fully booked. Yes. Now that is an audience where exposure is yes. a selling point. Yes. <laughs> well, you don't die from exposure on that stage. No, you do not. That's I so would. I would be very happy to be able to get in front of a large group of people who book speakers because, and again, the self-promotion is so hard, especially as women to accept, but because I know when I speak in front of that group, I will kill it. Yes. And that they will all go back to their organizations and say, I found our next keynote. Yes. Okay. So let's find the person who knows the person who knows the person who can yes. make that happen. Um, all right. Let's do a little bit of rapid fire before we get into the how people can get in touch with you and get that book and learn so much from you in, well, in all your books. Let's just be real. You don't just have one. You got lots. So, all right. So first question, what's on your nightstand? Uh, a book called Eloquence which is about how to turn a phrase and it's really beautiful. It's just, it's helping me in my speaking. It's helping me in my writing. 
It's so funny you would ask that because it has just recently been put on that nightstand um, because I started realizing I would like to up my game in everything I do. I love that. Mastery is one of my top five values. And so I appreciate that. I just wrote down the name of the book. I am going to get that. Hopefully it's on Audible. Okay. Second, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> this is going to be a weird one. I have three top favorites okay. that make, I, you know, keep in mind, I'm a screenwriter. So yeah. this, everybody in Hollywood roll their eyes and groan. Uh, number one, Officer and a Gentleman. Aww. Number two, Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> and number three, Valley Girl. <sighs> back <laughs> when, seriously, back in the day, I loved Valley Girl. And that, that, that was really when... I really dug him. I'm not so into him, Nicholas Cage, for those of you who don't know. Like, he was so amazing back then with his funky teeth and his, like, nasally nose. And, oh, yeah. I love that movie. I actually just bought that on DVD last year because I was like, I can never find it on Netflix. I, I also have to say, Valley Girl was directed by Martha Coolidge, who also directed Real Genius. She was phenomenal. Yes. Um, and Amy Heckerling directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Some of the most important movies of our lives were directed by women. And you know what? We had this conversation last year, I feel, because wasn't there something about like she was, be was Martha being honored? Um, was there oh, something like she was no, this is, or um, something? And I was like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. It wasn't, it wasn't Martha Coolidge. It was Mimi Leader. Mimi okay. Leader being honored. And I got to speak to her and she's in, there's a story about Mimi Leader in how women can succeed in the workplace despite having oh, female brains. And it's awesome. about no matter how, how at the top of your game you are as a woman, we impose the imposter syndrome on ourselves. Mm. That's number one. And mm. then another thing. All of these phenomenal directors, Amy Heckerling, Martha Coolidge, Mimi Leader, they all experienced that being a woman in Hollywood where you, got, you, were, you were allowed one time to fail and you were out. Yeah. Whereas men, male directors fail over and over and over and just get bigger and bigger and bigger budgets. Right. <sighs> oh, that's so yeah. frustrating. Okay, so number three is do you have a pet? And we know you have a pet because he's been sitting on your lap on and off. Yes, Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, the rescue dog who is so cuddly I can't keep him out of my lap and who the shelter had labeled unadoptable because they said he was too aggressive. Yeah, he definitely, well, if he's aggressive, it's with his kisses and snuggles. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, people wasting my time. Mm, amen. Favorite beverage? McDonald's unsweetened tea with five creamers and one packet of stevia. <laughs> that is very specific. So good. It's, it's like having a Thai iced tea, except for there's no carbs. You know that I went, uh, when I was in my teens and early twenties, I worked in retail, I worked in cosmetics and there was one gal who, it wasn't iced tea, it was diet Coke, but there's something weird about like McDonald's diet Coke. Like they put extra pumps or something in it. Like, like there's this whole controversy about it, but she was so addicted to going through, she went through McDonald's drive through every day before she came to work. It was like her caffeine fix. It's like how people are with Starbucks now. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just imagining her like, listening to this and going, oh yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what song, what song is on repeat? It's the song that was in my happiness newsletter. Good day to be alive. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. I love that. That was good. I always love clicking the links to the videos and the songs and stuff inside your, your emails. And we'll make sure that we, we get everybody the information on how to get on that list too. Oh, cool. um, dark or milk chocolate? Depends on the day. Uh, milk chocolate, if it's Cadbury, or if it is a Cadbury mini egg. Again, <laughs> dark chocolate because I eat ketogenic, so yes. dark chocolate is the only chocolate right now. <laughs> what would you be doing if you weren't a speaker? Directing movies. 
I had a feeling you were going to say that. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Truth seeking. <laughs> Truth seeking. Oh, I love that. So you'd yes. know if somebody was lying or no. you'd, you'd be able to uncover the truth without asking? Being able to uncover the truth without asking, being able to know actual fact, being it, it, it comes down to all kinds of things. Like when a, when a project falls apart, mm. I would like to know the truth. If someone looks at me and says, um, oh, we're definitely making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> For you to actually know the truth. It's close to, um, I had a, a guest on, Courtney, and she was like, to understand people's truest intentions was a superpower. So it's kind of, uh, yeah. kind of aligned with that, right? Like, what, don't, don't t tell me something to, to you know, to not hurt my feelings because it's actually more frustrating. Really I want to know the actual reality here. And wait, was that Courtney Poulos? Yes. Yeah. Ah, I love her. I know. Isn't she amazing? What a hoot. Um, who would play you in the movie of your life? <laughs> you're like going through all of the all of the actors that you know first up there's the actors i personally know who like who would do a really good job i'm also trying to think who do i know who just has endless integrity like who would i want to have play me i mean like i would say someone like Kristen bell mm -hmm. not that she looks anything like me but she's just a decent person yeah but the, you know that's what costumes are for uh, exactly <laughs> Even if she was playing a blonde, she might be wearing a wig. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. I think that's great. That's a great answer. And, you know, obviously I already told you I love her. Um, so the last question is if you could have dinner with any three people, they could be alive or dead right now, doesn't matter, um, who would they be? Who would you love to have a meal with? Would it be all at once or can I have dinner with each of them separately? This is your wish as you wish it. So if you want to have three separate meals, go right ahead. <laughs> I want to have three different meals. The first one without question is my grandmother. Hmm. Like I would rather have dinner with her than anybody else in the world alive or dead because I miss her so much. She was my best friend. Um, and unfortunately she died before I met my husband. So she never met him. And that makes me super sad. Like she would have loved him. Other people I would like to have dinner with, I would love to have dinner with Harriet Tubman. Mm, yes. She is one of the greatest heroes of history. She is, actu she is actually the living embodiment of courage. This yes. is somebody who got away herself and then went back. Yes, over and over and over. Hundreds of people. Yeah. yeah. So, so God amazing. bless her. I would just, yeah. I would just love to hear what what motivated her yeah, what yeah. what how she did it um <laughs> and then i would really i would really love to have dinner with jesus because i see so much in this world i see so many people who claim to worship jesus yeah. or follow jesus whose behavior i just don't understand amen and fathom and I would really love to sit down with him and ask, like, what do you think of this world? What do you think we should and could be doing for each other? Yeah. And what would you say to the people who claim to follow you, but whose lives are against everything you seem to have ever stood for? Right. Yeah. They're living the Pharisee lifestyle. Yeah. 
It's yeah. so interesting. I love that. He's on, he, he, as you probably likely guess, he's definitely on my list. I mean, yeah. he is a personal hero of mine. And I love how he used stories and parables to share why he believed what he believed and that he wasn't about shoving his beliefs. He was about inspiring people with his way of living and truly uh, living a, a living example of mm. his beliefs. It's so incredibly beautiful. And I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I really do pray that the, the people who uh, there is a wake up call at some point for those folks who, who, um, you know, there's a difference, I think, between being Christian and being a disciple of Jesus, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but th- I think even there's people in there who have kind of adopted that language that's still don't get it. I, I would love to hear the transcript of that conversation you have with Jesus. Come on now. <laughs> okay, so let's let's help the audience get in touch with you. What is the best way for people to be able to reach out and connect with you? A, if they want to hire you, B, if they want to buy your books, like what's, what's the URL? Um, well, if you want to reach out to me about speaking or any other topic, my email is Valerie at speak happiness.com. So that's S-P-E-A-K, speakhappiness.com. Or if you want to learn a little bit more about what I do or find my books, go to speakhappiness.com. And all of the books are on Amazon under Valerie Alexander. By the way, side note, there is a Valerie Alexander who writes, for lack of a better word, erotica. That is not me. I do not write bondage <laughs> porn. So please don't go to those books. But if you if you go to if you find happiness as a second language on Amazon, those are my books. Um, well, I will be sure to put the right links in the show you. notes for sure. I I and I'm gonna do everything within me to not go searching for this other Alexander. Because now it's triggered. I spent the longest time with Goodreads and Amazon having to send them emails saying, This is not me. These are not my books. Get her books off my page. Oh my gosh, isn't that I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to be aware of what is associated with your name online? Oh, if you don't have Google alerts set up for your name, for your business name, for all of your books, for the titles of your talks, you should be getting Google alerts. I choose the weekly and I get a weekly alert of everything associated with me and I go through it all. And one quick final story. I gave the How Women Can Succeed talk once. And then I got a Google alert with a blog post with a lot of that content in it. And I pulled up that blog post and I read it and it was literally the content of my talk with no mention of me. Yep. And I looked at that and I thought over my dead body. But at that point, I didn't have a copyright on anything. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I took all the notes from that talk that I'd ever given and I aggregated them into the book, How Women Can Succeed in the Workplace Despite Having Female Brains. Right. And by this point, I already owned my publishing company. So I sent it off to my layout artist. I sent it off to, I, I designed the cover, but I had our graphic designer do the cover. 
and I put it up on Amazon. So from the day I saw that blog post to the day that book was available on Amazon was six weeks. Mm. And then I filed the U.S. copyright and then I got the copyright letter from the U.S. Copyright Office and then I sent that girl a note. Yeah, and said, uh, cease and desist. Fix that up there. Or, or at least give credit. Or credit. give me credit. That was exactly it. It was, you have two choices. You can put my name all over this or you can take it down. And she chose to take it down, which, yeah. God bless her. And you know what? She did me an enormous favor yeah. because I don't know when that book would have gotten published otherwise. And that yeah. book is one of the best selling points I have for my talk. Yes. So, so true, right? Everybody has a purpose in our lives and hers was to instigate you going through the process of things copyrighted. <laughs> That's, there, there is beauty in that for sure. Um, Valerie, thank you so much for pouring into the community in so many different ways. I really have enjoyed spending this time with you and I'm so excited for the Fire Up community to lean in and get to know you a little bit better. So thank you so much for honoring us with your time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Deborah. This was such a pleasure. I have known you for so many years now, which I'm very happy about because this has been a really good community to be part of. And I have received a lot of benefit from you, from knowing everyone who I've met through you. So life is very good. Thank you. Oh, that, that, that fills my soul tank. I love to know that. I, I, you know, I think that when you, when you do find the, as I talked about from the woman upstage, the, the lionesses who mm-hmm. you're meant to be in a pride with, that you do feel the, the residual effects like that. Right. And it comes naturally. It's not forced. It's not pushed. It just feels natural. I'm so happy that, that my community has embraced you and connected to you and that you have poured into them over and over and over again, whether it's in comments on Facebook posts or keynotes from the stage or new books that you've blessed us with, you know, when you're, when you're releasing them, all of that. So thank you right back to you. And I look forward to having you on for other discussions. My mind is just reeling now about trademark versus registered trademark versus copywriting and all of those conversations that actually are really important for the messengers out there, the speakers and and the authors. And I have a feeling you've got an opinion or two on that. So (laughs) maybe we'll schedule another chat. I love it. I love it. We'll have a Moxie speaker series here really quickly. So um, have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm going to be poking around and trying to find that person who can uh, get you on that stage for the meeting planners. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today for a divine dose of truth wrapped in grace with sides of sass, moxie, and fire. Want more information on what we talked about today? You'll find the show notes and links over on my website, debratraben.com. Search the podcast title and voila! If you enjoyed the show today, please hit subscribe, click those stars to rate me, and leave a review. Oh, and don't keep the show a secret. Pretty please, share it with your friends too, okay? Lioness, I am praying you enjoy living your best life out loud, on purpose, and on your own terms. As always, keep your eyes open for moments you can engage, elevate, and empower your world.